Hello and welcome back to This Isn't About Your Body. I'm Jessie Neeland and uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about health privilege or not actually necessarily health privilege, but the privilege afforded when you are perceived as super healthy. Uh, in my case, because I was very fit, which is to say I was in very good shape, I wasn't exactly healthy. I mean, healthy can mean a lot of things. Uh, but I was perceived as super, super healthy because I worked out a lot. I mean, basically, that's it. And because I had a really low body fat percentage. So basically, what I wanted to share first is that I am notorious in my family for being uh, incredibly unhealthy with the way that I eat in some very specific ways. It has horrified my mother for three decades now, my relationship to butter and cream and salt and so essentially all through high school especially, I would, you know, frost my <laughs> food with butter, like a really visible, proper frosting of butter. And at some point I started salting all of my butter, meaning I would like have toast or something and I would put butter on it and then I would salt it. I still do this. Um, I pretty much never eat uh, anything buttered that I haven't added salt on top of. Also, I just really love salty food. I really love cream heavy cream whipped cream i put half and half in my coffee and i use a lot of it now these are like really long-standing habits so they predated me getting into shape and being a personal trainer and having low body fat percentage so there was a time at which maybe late high school when i got my blood work done and it was i don't remember the numbers or anything but my my cholesterol was just like a little bit high so okay cool i didn't work out i was completely sedentary at the time I was thin, but you know, it was like what you would maybe call skinny fat, right? Like I had absolutely no muscle tone of any sort. And I lived in a small body, but I was uh, pretty darn unhealthy. And I just had no habits of health whatsoever. I had no interest in exercising. I was like the anti-athletic kid. I hated gym class. I did everything I could in my power to skip gym class in favor of hanging out in, you know, one of my favorite teacher's rooms or doing music lessons or like I was the president of a bunch of things and I would just be like, oh, you know, we've got to do a student council meeting. What are you going to do? Uh, anyway, so I, I hated exercise. I had asthma as a kid. I hated running was the worst thing in the world. You know, how you, you have to run. Well, I don't know if they still do that, but I have to run a mile every year for the national whatever the thing is. Uh, and it was the worst day of my entire life every single year, all through high school, all through actually even younger than that, we had to do it as kids. It was the worst. I was in terrible shape. I would just like have an asthma attack. I couldn't run. I would be walking the mile and get like, you know, 18 minute mile and they'd be like, come on. All my friends would be done in like nine minutes, eight minutes. So I was notoriously unhealthy. And you have to have that as a background going into this story because it was a joke in my family and among my friends growing up. The joke was how unhealthy I was. And again, I was in this thin body, but it wasn't like in any way a healthy body, right? So people would certainly have assumed and given me the privilege of assumption that I was healthy were they to just meet me. But were they to watch me eat food, you know, they would be like, what the hell is going on here? So I love cheese of all kinds really, really high fat food is sort of my jam and, and an absolutely excessive amount of salt. So the joke was Jesse's so unhealthy. Jesse hates exercise and never exercises. And Jesse is 
I don't know, just like eats a preposterous amount of salt and fat. So with all of this in mind, it was, you know, like your family teases you, your friends tease you, sort of this stereotype at a certain point. I couldn't get away from the label, right? It was like an ongoing joke that sometimes hurt my feelings, even though it was true and it was totally good natured. It just had gone on and on and on and it didn't feel great at a certain point. So when I got into fitness in my very early 20s, I think my I think I was 21 when I got my first uh, personal training job. And if you don't know the whole story, I can tell you about it in another episode. I did not work out at that point. Um, I got a training job because they were desperate for women at a Bally Total Fitness where a friend of mine worked. And a lot of women were coming in and asking to train with a woman because they weren't comfortable with training with a man. And so they were just desperate to have female trainers. And so I was uncertified. I had absolutely no experience. And I literally didn't even work out. And they hired me and gave me a client that day. So that's what's going on at shitty box gyms, everybody. Um, but anyway, so I got into fitness like 21, 22, 23. I was like learning about fitness. I was getting into it. I was getting really excited about it. I thought it was very cool. I was working out, you know, in part because I was really loving my job and I wanted to be good at it. And I was getting certified and all this stuff. And then I was just getting into the groove. I loved being strong. I loved lifting weights. I was playing with different programs and you know, I tried cardio, I tried running, I tried all these things because I was like, I'm a personal trainer now. I, got, I have to know how to do these things. And it was fun. So at some point, my body started shifting to look a bit more athletic, less like sort of skinny fat and, and a little bit round. I was a little sort of uh, had very round face and, you know, huge boobs and all this fat was sort of in my body, even though it didn't make me look large bodied. I had a lot of uh, a high body fat percentage. And so that was all shifting as I was getting stronger and working out more. And so at a certain point, I looked like somebody who worked out. I looked fit. I looked how people imagined a healthy person looks. You know, my body fat percentage was dropping. So even though my size mostly stayed the same, I looked, I, I came off very differently to people. And at this point, a bunch of things started happening. The first one is I started getting treated very differently in public by strangers, by acquaintances, by even friends, definitely by men. I got a lot of attention for how I looked, for how my body looked, for, um, you know, people would start asking me my secrets and all this really flattering stuff, but also like super bizarre because, you know, looking back, not all of it was like, oh, hey, you seem strong. I'd like to get strong. How did you do that? Because that that feels totally reasonable. A lot of it was just like, whoa, you must be so disciplined. Like you must have so much willpower to resist dessert or you must like make yourself do hours and hours of cardio every day. I wish I had your willpower. And I'd be like, no, I don't do any of that stuff. Like I, I, I mean, I worked out. I worked hard when I worked out, but I did very little compared to my clients even. Like a lot of my clients worked out every day. I would never have worked out every day. Uh, a lot of my clients would do like an hour of cardio and then an hour boot camp class or something, which just seemed, I would never have done it. I was, I, I am fundamentally kind of a lazy person. I love working hard at stuff that matters to me, but I will never just do more. And I am genetically still myself, right? Like I am the kid with asthma. My cardiovascular capacity is super shitty and I hate the feeling of getting my heart rate up. It's very panicky for me. So I just, you know, I would like challenge myself. I push myself to get better and improve different aspects of my health and fitness. But fundamentally, I, I didn't work as hard as a lot of other people I know would work 
because the goal wasn't to change my aesthetic. The goal was just to like challenge myself and get better. And I was starting from what I believe to be a really, really low set point of health and fitness. Now, at the time, I was also challenging the way I ate. So I stopped eating quite the same. You know, I learned about protein and how that's good for you and can stabilize your blood sugar and make you feel good, build muscles, all these things. Uh, certainly, I learned that it also helps keep you leaner. So that was definitely at play because even though I wasn't necessarily training to change my aesthetic, I was still very conscious of the fact that, well, I would say at the time, I just thought of fitness as a way to change your aesthetic. Like that's how it was taught to me. That's how pretty much all of the, the trainers that I knew talked about it uh, at the time. So I was very aware of all these things. All of my clients came to me to be like, I want to change my aesthetic. That was just very assumed. Nobody came to me and said, I want to improve my cardiovascular capacity. So anyway, I was aware of all these things. I changed the way I ate a bit. Not massively, just a bit. You know, I focused on more vegetables and more fiber and more protein. And I, I probably did cut back on um, the sort of <laughs> excess fat and salt that I had been eating. But not to a degree that I think anyone else would have looked at and been like, ah, yes, that's, that's reasonable. Like, I still don't think it was ever in a category of reasonable. I still put so much cream in my coffee every day, and I still put so much butter on everything and still salted everything. So I knew people who would, like, n never have eaten how I ate, right? People who are, like, way healthier than me, if you really think about our perception of health anyway you know, that they would eat much, quote unquote, cleaner than me. And they would look at what I ate and feel like sort of scandalized. You know, a lot of the other trainers that I worked with would be scandalized by what I would eat. You know, I'd like to be eating mac and cheese or something. And they'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, this is not what we, the collective personal trainer people of the world do. So I was an outlier in a lot of ways. But the thing that's interesting is, so yes, other people treated me differently in sort of a creepy way because all of a sudden I was getting a lot of compliments and attention for how I looked. Literally like a girl at Starbucks would be like, oh my God, how do I get arms like yours? Or like, whoa, you must be so disciplined. Um, you know, I, I, can, I can't even get myself to go for a run or whatever. And I'm like, I don't run. So it was all very weird. It, it brought up a lot of stuff around body image for me because it really reinforced that if I want positive attention, affirmation and validation looking a certain way is the way to get it. I mean, it was pretty startling how different people treated me. And I didn't even lose weight, right? Like I was still the same. Well, maybe I lost a little, but I was very close to the same size that I started with. I was just a slightly different shape. I was more toned and I had a, a lower body fat percentage. And just that slight change really, I mean, it was a dramatic difference in how people treated me. So that taught me not only, I mean, it brought up stuff for me to deal with in my own body image, but also taught me, holy shit, just think if I had come from, you know, 50 pounds heavier and gotten here or 100 pounds heavier, you know, think about the people, my clients, a lot of my clients when I was a personal trainer would go through these massive weight shifts, total body transformations over the course of, you know, months and years. And the thought. I realized at that point was like, oh my God, privilege is a thing. And I wasn't necessarily able to see at the time that oppression was also a thing because this was early 20s that we didn't have the language for any of this stuff. I probably didn't even call it a, uh, oppression or privilege until way later. But what, what was difficult for me to recognize is fat people are treated badly. But what was easy for me to recognize is 
really fit, thin looking, you know, fit looking, thin people are treated really, really well, like way better than average bodied people. I don't even know if average is the right way to put it, but like going from uh, what had felt average for me anyway, like going from thin to lean had changed so much that I was able to see like, wow, the sort of uh, really low body fat percentage type of body gets you an absolutely bonkers amount of attention and positive, um, you know, validation and praise. So I was able to see that and I was like, oh, okay, so this side of the spectrum, you know, it's very clear. If you went from chubby to thin or chubby to super lean or just thin to super lean or even fat to thin or fat to just a little fat, right? Like these are things I was able to start seeing. They change how people perceive you. They change how people treat you. And that became a reality because I think before that I probably would have said that it's like all in your head. You know, nobody cares. Nobody even notices. It's all in your head. So that really affirmed something interesting that I would now look back and say I learned about privilege because I was suddenly offered a shit ton of it for not having really done much. Like, like I said, I will take you work hard because I did work hard, you know, at my workouts, but I didn't do what people thought I was doing. I did not earn relative to the amount of attention I was getting, I did not work that hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, I did not earn that respect. It was not because of me or what I really did. It was because of people's perception of health, their perception of fitness, their perception of value and status and fat and thin. And that's where it was coming from. And that felt very, very sort of unsettling to me before I had the language for it. Um, But one of the things that shifted Uh, at this time was I stopped being the butt of jokes about being unhealthy. In my family, in my childhood friend circle, everybody that knew me before, basically, uh, they all knew me as this person who didn't exercise and ate unhealthy. And so everybody had to kind of challenge that, like, for a while. They were like, so you're a personal trainer now? And I'd be like, yep, that's what I do. And as my body changed and as I got more into the path of the career, I got a lot more validation from those people that they sort of saw what I was doing and they recognized that I was going through a change and some people were impressed and some people were just sort of like, okay, I get it. You know, you're, you're not unhealthy anymore. Like, that's great for you. Um, but one of the, the little side effects of this is that nobody teased me about being unhealthy anymore. Like, it just was sort of a full, you couldn't, you know, you literally couldn't tease me because I would still eat the same amount of butter. I would still eat the same amount of fat and half and half and whatever. But when I poured that half and half in my coffee, my mom might shake her head and just be like bemused, you know, like, how do you, how do you look like this when you drink, you know, your coffee like that? Or, or I think at one point she said something like, I hope your blood work is as healthy as your, uh, you know, your lifestyle or something. And And the truth is, I don't even know. I don't know if I got a physical at that point in my life. I have no idea what my blood work looked like. But I wasn't any healthier in the ways that people assumed I was healthier. All I did literally was add lifting weights or exercise in general. All I did was add exercise to my life. And because of that, I was no longer the butt of jokes. Nobody teased me. And I realized, like, I hadn't even totally acknowledged to myself how much that teasing really sucked and hurt and felt like really limiting 
you know, like anything, anything that people sort of lock you into from childhood on can feel really limiting. You're like, okay, okay, yeah, I like did that one thing in ninth grade and now everybody brings it up all the time. Like, I'm not necessarily ashamed of the thing, but I am freaking tired of hearing about it and having everybody associate it with me. Like, let's move on. I'm a whole ass adult now. So I think there was some of that that I had never fully acknowledged to myself, how much it really bothered me to be the butt of jokes and have people teasing about the way I ate and how unhealthy I was. And I loved when it disappeared. This was one aspect of privilege that I freaking loved. Some of it was uncomfortable. This was great. So being able to, you know, eat what I wanted in front of my family and friends and have nobody say a freaking thing was liberating. And what I can see now, and again, I didn't have the language at the time, but looking, you know, looking back on it, I was really experiencing this massive a sort of bizarre shift in privilege based on how my body looked and how people knew what my, you know, they kind of knew what my workouts looked like because I was a personal trainer and this was a big part of my life. Um, but I was learning what privilege looked like in this teeny tiny little uh, micro scale way that I went from not being able to eat how I eat in front of other people without it being at least uh, occasionally, sort of regularly, not constantly, but regularly commented on by the people in my life to having that never happen, ever. Not once, I don't think, in the years that I was really lean, did a person be like, holy shit, that is so much half and half. Like, what about your cholesterol? Nobody, ever. Not once. <laughs> Nobody commented on the salt I put on things. Nobody commented on my butter frosting habit. Nobody commented on this stuff because they would look at me and they would go, no, she probably knows what she's doing. You know, that was the privileged assumption that I was suddenly afforded is I know what I'm doing and I'm probably really healthy. So I could eat mac and cheese for lunch or a cupcake and wine for dinner, which these are not <laughs> these are things that really happen. You know, this is not super uncommon. Um, and nobody's going to say a gosh darn thing. So this is privilege in action around sort of healthism, the idea that uh, health is a really important aspect of life that sort of affords somebody a superior status when they've achieved it. Um, that healthy people are like, you know, fundamentally better and more worthy of respect and belonging and kindness and happiness than people who are unhealthy, that it's really important and you're a better person if you're healthy. So that's healthism. It's some garbage we can talk about another day. But what that afforded me was seeing that privilege play out. All of a sudden, I was free to do whatever the freak I wanted. And nobody would say anything because they looked at my body and they would be like, oh, I can't, I can't say anything. She's so healthy. Now, Looking back, I mean, there were times that I was dieting, sort of. I mean, I, I was dieting. We can call it a diet. I was restricting. I would still eat how I wanted, but I would eat less of it. And that is how my body got leaner on top of the exercise. And therefore, I mean, the fact that I would be like, yeah, cool. I, I skipped all of these things so that I could save up for this dinner in which I'm going to eat a bunch of butter or whatever. You know, like, it was not great. I don't know that I ever identified it as disordered until way later when I would look back and be like, ah, I had a disordered relationship with food, but it was so normal, you know, and I was on the mild side compared to a lot of my trainer friends. Uh, it was just so normal in the fitness industry. Like, of course you restrict, of course you do all of these things. 
um, you know, I would try different protocols and uh, eat different ways that my clients were eating just to see, you know, for sort of firsthand how, how it felt, how it went. Um, so anyway, all of this is to say that that was my experience with the privilege that people uh, assumed I was healthy just because of how I looked and because they knew I worked out. And now, fast forward, I left the fitness industry. I became a body image coach. I put on some weight when I left New York. And I probably, I mean, I stopped working out and everything. So I probably lost muscle over the last years just sort of steadily because I, I don't lift the same way anymore. Um, and then the pandemic hit, right? So right now, like a lot of my clothes are pretty tight. I unfortunately just unpacked some stuff that I was really excited to wear uh, that had been in storage from really early pandemic days and it's all too tight. So I've honestly like put on some weight. I don't weigh myself, so I have no idea how much and it doesn't matter. But the point being, I'm at a higher weight for for my body uh, and for sure a lower body, uh, a, a higher body fat percentage with less muscle basically right now than than I was a few years ago. And And for good reason, you know, I don't work out and the pandemic and mental health and depression and all these things, right? I am perfectly comfortable with how and why my body is the way it is right now. But I can say with pretty um, pretty strong confidence that I am unhealthy right now. Now, I say that because my habits are unhealthy. I do not exercise nearly enough. I am working on it. It has been a very difficult transitional year. There's lots of reasons why I haven't. I have wanted to more. It just hasn't happened. So I've done a lot of walking throughout the pandemic. And, you know, occasionally here and there, I've gotten into exercise in ways that I'm like, ah, yeah, maybe I could do that. But it just nothing really sticks. So I'd say maybe once a week, you know, I'm active. That's very, very low for me in my adult life. So I'm not active. I'm sedentary a lot. You know, I'm writing this book. I'm sitting down. I'm taking clients in my chair. I'm just like pretty freaking sedentary. So there's that. And that's something I'd like to shift fairly soon hopefully but there's no rush whatever it is what it is it'll work itself out but on top of that we've got pandemic comfort food you know and depression comfort food and living with my fiance comfort food because a lot of times I'll be working and he'll just make me whatever you know and I'm going to eat the dinner he makes me and I'm not going to worry about what macros are in it or how much protein is in it or you know whatever it's just the way I eat now is completely unhealthy compared to what it used to be because there is almost no consideration um, to what to what goes into it like I eat out when I'm at restaurants I eat what I want uh, I sometimes think oh I should get like a salad because I haven't had much fiber lately or I haven't had many my micronutrients sometimes I'm like I haven't eaten a vegetable in days this is all for me not ideal at all I mean it doesn't make me feel great so like oh, <laughs> I'm working on it but uh, I would just say it feels true to say that I'm unhealthy right now. And I don't feel good a lot. You know, I get migraines. Um, this I don't think is necessarily related, although it certainly could be. Um, there are side effects to my antidepressants as well, which causes me to not feel great sometimes. So there's stuff going on, right? But like I wake up most days, I'm like, Ugh, I don't feel great. Knowing all of that, it is actually totally reasonable to assume <laughs> that I am unhealthy. And what I noticed is people in my family, uh, they have sort of started teasing me again about the way that I eat. So there's like teasing about the cream in the coffee. There's teasing about the butter on the bread again, teasing about the salt, you know. 
And I realized like this super bums me out because I just really liked having the break from it. Like I liked not being teased and labeled and having to sort of face that thing uh, inside of my family. But but also it bums me out because, I mean, it's accurate at this point, right? Like it's accurate, which makes it kind of hurt. And granted, it was accurate in high school, too, but I just I didn't think about it the same way at the time because I wasn't in any way. I just did not think about this kind of thing. I was like, yeah, sure. It's unhealthy. Who cares? Now I'm like, yeah, it's unhealthy. And I I don't need that like thrown at me. You know, I don't need someone else to point it out. I know it's unhealthy. And also the thing that's unhealthy is not the cream in my coffee. You know, like the thing that's unhealthy is the fact that my mental health totally fell apart in the depression and I'm coping with that. I'm still rebuilding a life. I just bought a house so that I can like have space and peace and you know like everything is transitional and everything is still you know we we're not even like sleeping in a bed yet. Like it's just chaos. And I'm like everybody have some chill about this because I still care about health. I would like to be healthy. It's not an immense priority for me right now because survival and coping are the priority for me right now. But at some point, I absolutely intend to shift back into healthier habits. But will I change like how much butter I eat? Probably not because that's shit that I never changed in the first place. It's just that people's perception of me is what changed and made them stop commenting. And now it's their perception of me in this bigger, softer body. That is why they comment again. And if that (laughs) doesn't just shine a whole freaking light on the way things work, I don't know what does because this is all in a relatively thin body, right? I'm still thin, all things considered. I just look different. I'm bigger. I'm softer. I have, you know, like, you know, muscle definition at the moment. But now let's take it because I see this in clients all the time. Now let's take it towards uh, somebody who's in an actually large body who loses weight. And maybe they gain that weight back. So they're going from fat shaming, health shaming, body shaming, all of this stuff like, oh, are you sure you should be eating that? Hey, let's go to the gym together. You know, you need to get healthy or I'm worried about your health. All kinds of comments like pouring into this person on a regular basis just because they live in a larger body, even if they're incredibly healthy, even if they work out constantly, even if they help eat super, super healthy, they will still get those comments. And then if they were to lose the weight, Let's say they went on a medication that suppressed their appetite and or they got sick and or they went through a divorce and were really stressed and couldn't eat because of the grief. Whatever it is, right, they lose the weight. And now everybody's like, oh, you're so healthy. There's this assumption that body size equals health. And from that place, they're they're going to be given a lot more privilege. People are going to be kinder to them. People are going to be more respectful towards them. People are going to respect their autonomy more. It's just going to be a totally different situation. And then should they gain the weight back because maybe, you know, they get off the medication or they get through the grief and they, you know, find happiness again or literally whatever, whatever the thing is, they gain the weight back and now everybody goes right back to the shaming. It is enough to make someone feel crazy. You know, it, you're like, especially in the case that I just painted, which of course a a lot of things could lead to weight gain and weight loss. But in in the case that I just painted, it's not intentional, right? It's not the the result of healthy habits. This is really common in my coaching practice. I see stuff like this all the time. So people are assumed to be healthier because they lost weight, even if they lost weight in unhealthy reasons, for unhealthy reasons, like, you know, an eating disorder. Um, 
But then when they gain the weight back to get healthy, like they're in recovery for their eating disorder, people go right back to the old shaming weirdness where they start commenting on, oh, I'm just worried about your health. I'm worried about your, you know, weight. You should exercise more and you should eat more vegetables, whatever it is people would like to say. They get bullied on the internet. People comment on things like, um, you know, less burgers and fries, more salads. Like it is cruel. And the entire assumption, like, let's not even, I can't even talk about the bullying and violation and unkindness because that is a, that is just a whole other topic. But just let's assume those violating comments are happening constantly in which a person is being assumed to be deeply unhealthy and in need of that being reflected back to them one way or another, kindly or unkindly. And it's all because of their weight. And for me, this tiny little difference between, you know, thin and soft and lean and sort of angular, like that was enough for me to see the bounce from one to the other and then back again in terms of how people treat me and assume, make assumptions about my health. And I see this in clients that is so dramatic and honestly like life altering that I've had clients be like, I don't know that I can manage like that mental health is so disturbed by the change in how people treat them because it is incredibly disturbing to realize you step into a world in which everybody suddenly thinks you're worthy of attention and praise and compliments because why they assumed you were healthy also they're wrong like it is a complete mind fuck uh sometimes maybe they're right and even so it's a mind fuck because you're like oh my god i didn't realize how important it was to everybody that i'm quote unquote healthy, aka smaller bodied or leaner, um, because those things often just have nothing to do with each other, but that's the perception, that's the assumption. And when you actually did lose weight in a way that helped you get healthier, um, you know, you were focused on healthier habits and you happened to lose weight, that can also just really screw with your head when everybody's like, oh my God, you look amazing. What did you do? It's so fantastic. You must feel great. Like, yeah, wow, okay, I feel great, but also this is weird. I live in a different world now. Everybody treats me completely different. People make totally different assumptions about me now. I am obviously much more uh, worthy of belonging and attention and respect now, which means what? If I have to lose all, I have to lose all that stuff if I gain weight again, which makes people live in terror, makes people so afraid of actually like recovering from the eating disorder or going through pregnancy or something else that makes the weight come back on because of the assumptions people make about them and the way people treat that when you're in a smaller body. So the language I could use around this, I'm not sure um, where you are in your understanding of this language, but we can call it privilege because privilege is just very simply a lack of a particular obstacle that someone else is going through because of something that they, they didn't earn, you didn't earn. So body size can be one of these. Um, you certainly could lose weight on purpose and, and that sort of complicates things, although I have a YouTube video about that. Um, but a lot of times body size is not actually in your control and therefore we can think of thin privilege as just basically the assumptions people make and the kindness and warmth and respect and status that you're afforded 
when you're in a thin body that you are not given in a bigger body. That's all privilege is, right? It is a lack of the obstacles facing people in larger bodies. Because we can look at the other side of that as oppression, people in fat bodies are violated with, you know, assumption, negative assumptions about their health, disrespect, um, bullying, unkindness, and discrimination in a legal way, you know, housing discrimination, job discrimination, um, all sorts of obstacles that they have to face for no other reason than the size of their body. So that's the other side of this spectrum. And privilege is simply the lack of those obstacles. And in its place is all of this sort of positive assumptions being made about you and your health and how good you must be. It is that uh, positive assumption that everybody wants, right? We want people to make positive assumptions about us, not necessarily about our health, but it feels good when people look at you and go, oh, I bet you know what you're doing with your life and your body. I won't, I feel no need to correct you. Whereas spend a lifetime of people going, ah, you don't know what you're doing. I should correct you. And that feels really bad. On top of, as I said, the legal discriminatory issues with this kind of thing, it just becomes, um, becomes a conversation in which we're, we're, we have to talk about the way in which people's biases around fat and weight and health will literally alter the reality that you live in. And in subtle ways, in big ways also for other people, these can be really, really big ways. Like literally you didn't get a job because you were seen as lazy because you live in a big body. But for me, just subtle ways. And I want to share that with you in case you also don't live in a large body and have not experienced that because it's really hard to, to imagine, I think, if you haven't experienced it. And I only know all of this from, you know, reading about fat phobia and the anti-fat bias, having clients in larger bodies, you know, trusting the people in my life who talk about this stuff, that their lived experience is true. But, but I didn't know this until I started looking for it, you know, until I started learning about anti-oppression work um, and, and diet culture and fat phobia. So I just wanted to share some of this from a personal place. I hope that it's useful and sort of shines a light on, you know, this really teeny little microcosm of the ways in which we are treated when people assume things about our health and also like the weird connection between health and body size that is being made assumptions about that don't make sense are not based in fact and just like really confuse the entire thing so that everyone out there trying to work through body image issues and find peace in themselves is fighting against a tide because they know that these assumptions are being made constantly, that it affects how they'll be treated and it affects what people will think about them when they look at them. People now look at me and think, ah, oh, you're unhealthy. And sure, I am. But they looked at me before and said, ah, oh, you're healthy. And like, I really wasn't, right? We can see that in a totally non-threatening way, this is playing out. And in a threatening way, meaning it actually causes violence against people in larger bodies, it's also really, really significant. Well, I would say much more significant than my story. But the point being, it is really significant. Um, I just think a lot of times what happens is people hear that and they kind of brush it off if they don't also live in a large body and connect to that story. So hopefully this shines a little light on it. I think that's everything I want to say today. Uh, thank you for being here and listening. And I will talk to you next time.